Hey, folks, Tom and Keith, and we want to send a big shout-out to the Dunlap Champions Club, which has been the sponsor of Front Row Knowles podcast for some time now. Hopefully during the 2017 season you got a chance to sample it. I know on the field the season may not have gone the way you wanted, but uh, off the field the experience remained top shelf inside the Dunlap Champions Club. Without question, the, the ability to go to a ball game, to, to be inside when it's hot, to have refreshments, food, drink, those types of things. And you and I both, Tom, have talked about, uh, particularly during this semester, school semester, we've been in there for other functions. And certainly many of our listeners uh, should have the opportunity, will have the opportunity to be there for other than football games. If you're a member, you've got that opportunity on Friday nights prior to the game. You can do things on Sunday. It's uh, obviously attached to the University Center Club. Uh, It's a great all-around venue for anything that's going on during the weekend. It was built with 365 days a year function space or functions in mind. Uh, I'll I'll remind you that uh, next year, 2018, seven home games on the schedule, including Virginia Tech, Florida, and Clemson. Plant that little seed. Now, if you want more info, go to fsuclubseats.com or fsuchampionsclub.com. And now, without further ado, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Front Row Knowles Sweet 16 edition, something we all predicted back when we rolled out the basketballs and started practice in mid-fall. Tom Block here manning the fort once again because Keith Jones is a world traveler. It's been a rough march for KJ. He spent a week in New York, a week in Nashville. Now he joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline all the way from Los Angeles, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. KJ, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, but I got to tell you, this time difference is 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 wreaking havoc on me. I tell you. Well, that might be your age too. To be fair, uh, possibly so. Possibly so. We are going to have associate head coach Stan Jones join us next segment, and we'll save the X's and O's and Gonzaga talk for Stan. So let's start on the Florida State side of the ledger, Keith. And I want to eat some crow first because on last week's show. I pointed out that it was foolish on your behalf to be worried about who Florida State was going to play in the third round of the ACC tournament. But to continue that conversation, you, for several weeks, had been pointing out that you didn't want Florida State to be an 8-9 national seed because you didn't want them to have to face the one seed in round two because you were concerned about who they would match up with in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And lo and behold, even though Florida State was in the 8-9 game, they still knocked off a number one, and here they are in the second week of the NCAA tournament. And I'm being truthful when I say this, not sarcastic as I usually am. I don't know anybody else that really was looking ahead and thinking FSU might be in the second weekend. So congratulations. Well, I I don't know that I need uh, accolades for that. I just just had a suspicion that this squad, because they had played, candidly had played so poorly, up to and including the one and done in the ACC tournament, that that they were annoyed and aggravated, and they were frustrated, and therefore they'd be motivated uh, to perform better. And um, and for once, uh, maybe the first time in 2018, I was correct. Let the record reflect it, and we'll always have this to fall back on for all the future shows when you're incorrect. Just remember that. That is cor- that is also correct. Okay, so a couple of key questions here. And again, we'll talk matchups with Stan. Terrence Mann was not expected to play Sunday. He ended up playing and was not insignificant in that game. So what do we expect from Terrence Mann? Is he worse off now than he was uh, between Friday and Sunday? Or is with a couple days more rest, he's going to be out there and ready to go? Well, one would assume that with a couple of days more rest, he would be better. Um, uh, Gene and I both talked to Terrence. Uh, after the first round game, and uh, he said he was okay, he was good to go. I, so I think a lot of what the hesitation that came out of the quote unquote athletic department was just merely being very, very cautious uh, to not set expectations on parents that if he came out and warmed up and didn't feel well, he would feel obligated to pay, play. I think what uh, came about is the competitive spirit that that man has uh, where he wanted to play came out, warmed up, was okay, and was able to contribute, what, 23, 24 minutes. Didn't play well early, but you're exactly right. He was very significant uh, in the second half. 
you traveled with the team out to LA yesterday, so you didn't see him dragging his leg behind him on the team charter or anything like that. That, that is correct. That is correct. He was there were no crutches. There was no cast, brace, anything we should need. No. no. <laughs> uh, so by outward appearances, uh, initial observation, uh, he, he uh, is a very likely potential or possibility uh, come Thursday evening. All right. Now I want to talk about something that I don't know if it's been widely known here in, in Florida state circles. But this will factor in, and it'll take me a minute to set this up because of the fact all this travel's involved. But after the game against Xavier, the team charter didn't take off until 2.45 in the morning. And then because of bad weather in Tallahassee on Monday, had to circle Valdosta, eventually had to land in Orlando. Bottom line, didn't touch down in Tallahassee to 8 a.m., i.e. nobody slept good on Monday night. Then you're in Tallahassee for about 24 hours before you get on a plane and go west to L.A. And I set all this up, Keith, to say Florida State's going to face a a West Coast team in Gonzaga that's on the same time zone, is better rested, is more accustomed to being in the Sweet 16 because they're the only team in the country that's been four straight years. And on the flip side, you have a potentially fatigued Florida State team that in my mind, my concern is if, if you don't get past that mental hurdle right away, you could get run out of the gym against a good Gonzaga team. Um, two things. Number one, uh, the turnaround was difficult, but uh, lest anybody think that the NCAA conspirators are um, set against Florida State, and I did not know this until uh, a little earlier, those those settings in, in Florida State playing on a Friday, Sunday, and then having to turn around and play on a Thursday, Saturday, West Coast, were already in place. So FSU officials knew that going into the tournament. Some of the rest of us didn't uh, because of the way that uh, times are set for the games and that type of thing. But it was a very easy flight out of Tallahassee, Tommy, uh, five hours. Uh, Most of us, including me, did get some sleep. Uh, There is a three-hour differential, as everybody knows. But, uh, (coughs) pardon me, as soon as it landed, everybody, you know, turned their clocks back. And, um, you know, by the time tomorrow night rolls around, I don't anticipate it being as big an issue uh, as maybe one would think it would be. Uh, but certainly in terms of hydration and sleep and practice patterns and those types of things, uh, the staff is very well, well aware of that and uh, doing everything they can to get everybody acclimated. When that ball tips, and for that next two hours, two hours and 15 minutes, I don't think any of that really matters, though. Tom Block and Keith Jones with you on Front Row Knowles. I'll remind you that if you didn't plunk down the airfare to get from Tallahassee to L.A. on short notice, which I can only imagine a a mortgage was probably involved in that, some sort of loan, if you did that. But assuming you didn't, as you listen to this show, a great place to watch the game tomorrow night will be Madison Social. Thursday night's a big night anyway uh, down in Collegetown, and they have been the viewing site all year long. Side note, not related to basketball, but the latest pint glass is out, and it has one Derwin James featured on it. Derwin uh, starred again yesterday at FSU Pro Day. We'll talk about that with our Seminoles.com insider. But bottom line here is uh, visit our good friends at Madison Social, Township, Centrale, Sodo, and tell them that Keith and I said it would be uh, good for their health if they did so. Something like that anyway, right, KJ? Exactly. So let's get back to basketball, and we'll save the football conversation for when Tim joins us later. And Tim was at practice today, an open practice, by the way. Keith, you know what happened, Keith? Coach Taggart got word that you weren't going to be around, and you were three time zones away, and he went ahead and opened practice to the public. What do you think? Well, you know, you know, Willie and I talk about these things quite often. And, uh, yeah, he did know my schedule, and as a result, uh, decided to let uh, others participate. You're exactly right. Ironically, Mr. Ira Schofel, who's been pining for more access, also on a flight to L.A. and missing the opening open practice today and Friday. So maybe that was also involved, and we can tell Ira that uh, we said so. All right, this, th- this basketball team, Keith, obviously you jump in with the guys you'd like to talk about, but sort of getting to some Cliff's notes here, Brian Angola appears to have found himself. Man injured last weekend and we think had something else going on the last half of the season so we know what we have with Terrence Mann Cabin Gailey is really looking like a future star right now and that he's a guy we'll ask Stan Jones about I wanted to get your thoughts on MJ Walker though 
because it clearly appears that he's a freshman who's hit the wall and his confidence is completely shaken. Is there more to it than that, or is that what you see as well? Because he's a highly skilled, he's a highly skilled player. That that's what I see as well. Uh, you know, when we talk about the freshman hitting the wall, for those that may not be aware, you know, your freshman year, uh, excuse me, your senior year in high school, you're playing 25, 28 games. When you get to college, you're playing 35, working towards 40 games, and obviously at a much higher competitive level. Because normally, if you're a, a an outstanding freshman in college, you were the dominant player on your on your high school team. <coughs> Pardon me. And, and so, you know, once you get into to late February and early March, after all the preseason stuff, the, the 30, 35 games, uh, all the work that you're having to do, you're, you're just not used to it. Uh, it's kind of like some of the northern players up in Virginia and Maryland and that type of thing, Tommy, that come down uh, for football that have never participated in spring practice in football because they don't have that up north in high school. So they're wondering what in the world are they doing with pads on in March, you know, down here in Tallahassee. Well, the same uh, principle applies. I think MJ's issue is, is strictly that. Now, the good news about that is that a lot of it is mental, and so you can bust out of that quickly. Uh, but he is certainly struggling, and, and it would be a great benefit for Florida State uh, if he were to be able to perform better. Now, the one guy that you didn't mention, you're probably saving him. But the, the most valuable player on this team right now is Trent Forrest. No question. Uh, and he, I was I was has, saving it. <laughs> exactly. He has performed. Coach Hamilton will tell you he has performed as was expected. But we've forgotten that he was injured during most of the preseason and did not practice much until actual games started being played. And so it's been a slow you know, coming back for him. But over the last dozen games, 10 or 12 games, uh, Trent Forrest has, has become the, the most valuable player on this ball club. And Gene and I both are just amazed every time we look at the stat sheet at the end of the ball game. You know, he's always got 8 to 12 points. He's got 6 to 8 rebounds. He had 8 assists, uh, I believe, against Xavier. He was credited with 2 blocks and 2 steals and had 1 turnover. And the Coach Hamilton uses the phrase, and it sounds silly, but that stuffing, uh, which was originated with Terrence Mann when, when he showed up on the scene. But Forrest has just been able to do some phenomenal things for this ball club and raise the level of play for everyone around him, which you and I have talked about this. That's one of the greatest compliments you can give a player. You know, a great player is a great player. But the truly great players elevate the play of everyone else around them and let me tell you, this kid from Chipley is doing just that. From Chipley, related to Amp Lee. Exactly. You know what I think of now that I mention that? I think of Amp Lee making Michigan look silly in the big house back in 1991. There's an old school <laughs> football <laughs> reference. That crazy? Wasn't that crazy? It but, made it look so effortlessly while he was doing it. It looked like he was training. I, I'll tell you what, and a lot of folks are saying this, though. Forrest is a jump shot away from being one of the best players Florida State's ever had, I think. I mean, he he does well, not. And if he does if he does develop that jump shot, which I think he's capable of, and certainly we've seen that Phil Kofer can develop one from one year to the next, uh, I think you are correct, and I think we've got uh, a, a real exciting upside for Trent. That'll be our first question to Stan. Stan, is, is Trent the best player potentially in the history of Florida State basketball? Now, we won't phrase it like that, but we'll get Stan on the line, and uh, we'll continue. We'll talk Florida State in the Sweet 16. Also, spring practice is underway. That uh, topic will be part of the conversation as we continue. Stay with us on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles going coast to coast. Keith Jones uh, with us from Los Angeles and also 
We're pleased to welcome Florida State Associate Head Coach Stan Jones to the program via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Coach, thanks for a few minutes of your time and what has been a very busy week. Congratulations on the Sweet 16 appearance to you as well. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on, especially under these circumstances. I'm sure. You've been around basketball your whole life, so you know full well that, particularly in this tournament, if things come together, you play well at the right time, you can get a good result, and you have to be really pleased with a, how you played against Missouri, and then B, the comeback and the grit and determination and fight that your squad showed against Xavier, the top seed, to advance to the Sweet 16. Well, you're, you're correct. And, you know, the, the, uh, when the brackets were announced on Selection Sunday, I could tell there was a, a real buzz in our guys. First, when they saw Xavier come up on the screen, because it was the last bracket, and they knew that we were going to be in that bracket somewhere. And, uh, and then when they saw us could uh, have a rematch in the second round, I just sensed the excitement in the room more than just uh, the normal excitement that you see your name on Selection Sunday. But that our guys said, we want another shot at these guys. And I was uh, uh, knew there was a chance that these, this group could do something special when they saw that. And uh, they respected Missouri and uh, really pre- prepared well. And they knew how talented a Michael Porter Jr. was. But the, they wanted to get to that uh uh, kind of a redemption game versus Xavier, and uh, we fought and clawed and, and uh, hung together and found a way to win it. We'll get to Gonzaga momentarily, but I do want to ask one question about Trent Forrest. Keith and I were talking about him before we had you on, and you guys knew what you were getting with him. He scored 3,000-plus points in high school. I mean, that's a ton of points, no matter who you are, no matter what level you're playing. What are you most pleased about with how he's playing right now, and how much is still – scratching the surface in terms of his ultimate ability well to your first part of the question i mean we're very very pleased this is what we've expected since we signed trent um it's been a little bit of a process because trent is a maybe the youngest um recruit we've ever had i mean he's still just 19 years old and finishing his second year uh in college i mean he and he won't turn 20 until uh into the first part of the summer in june uh, so uh, this is uh, kind of normal for a guy that age. He's not your typical, you know, like so many kids get held back and reclassified and, uh, and try to gain an edge. Trent's a, uh, a younger than normal uh, student athlete for his uh, for his age, and uh, we know he's got a chance to be a very special kid. And uh, and the injury he had back in preseason, I think, set back his development just a little bit, as it would for anybody. But he is really, really starting to play into his potential. And to answer your second part, I don't think his ceiling is anywhere close to being reached yet. I mean, I think he continues to be one of the hardest workers I've ever coached, and that's saying for a lot for guys like Al Thornton and Tony Douglas and other guys we can name. And uh, uh, I think the future is so bright for him, which I think uh, bodes well for the future of Seminole basketball. Stan, Tom, and I were talking that, that he's a jump shot away from being an Al Thornton or a Tony Douglas. Well, the jump shot's coming, and that's just another evolution. He has to he has to go ahead and feel comfortable with uh, not just uh, living on his strengths, but start to be able to when people play uh, play for him to drive. He's got to be able to to make them stay honest and really go ahead and start taking that shot, making that shot, and and making it extra hard for the other team to guard him. All right, let's get to tomorrow night's game, Stan Gonzaga. Obviously, has you know at one point. And maybe technically they're still a mid-major, but when you look at the NCAA tournament, I think most would consider them a blue blood at this point. They've got their only team in the country, four straight Sweet 16s. They've been in the tournament, I think, 20 of the last 21 years. They're national runners-up. They're a doggone good basketball program. Uh, We saw them in the national championship game last year. We saw them when Florida State played them and had a great comeback. I think that was back in 2010. So tell me what your first thoughts are when you popped in the tape and you saw what Mark Few's team looks like this year. Well, it's a typical Mark Few team. I mean, they're very, uh, very good offensively. They uh, really spread the floor out. They have uh, uh, talented players at every position. Uh, they're not as deep as some of the Gonzaga teams have been uh, in the last few years, uh, but they're going to be a, a challenge. Uh, probably a little bit play, like playing uh, Xavier and Missouri. It's kind of a, a preparation that uh, the kids are kind of comfortable with because the things we're going to have to take away in terms of the ball screen defense. Uh, the three-point shooting um, and the uh, and the post play, uh, we you know, we haven't played a lot of teams uh, in the ACC this year, other than North Carolina, that kind of played through their big on every possession, like Missouri has done, and and, uh, 
and Xavier did uh, this past Sunday night, and that Gonzaga is the same way. They're going to try to establish Jonathan Williams and uh, Killian Tilly and, and Rui Hachimura uh, with the ball in the post and the mid post uh, to help set up their perimeter shooters as the game goes on. So um, it, it's kind of a, a familiar scout for the guys right now. Uh, and we've got to be able to uh, continue to score the ball well. We've got to continue to execute, and we've got to be able to score with them because we're not going to be able to shut them out. We've got to really work hard to get their percentages down and uh, and work very hard to get our percentages up. Stan, you mentioned working through the bigs. Uh, Kevin Gailey, uh, I think, has, has really blossomed to, into a great interior player. Uh, talk about what he's been like the last uh, 10 or 12 ball games. Well, Fiondi was, uh, he was a huge part of that comeback against Xavier the other night. And it, it wasn't because he was making threes, which is kind of what he came into college wanting to first show everybody he could do that. He could be an excellent three point shooter for us. But uh, his work on the boards and in the paint have been uh, a big, big plus to our success here in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, he's had a uh, kind of a breakthrough um, in confidence in the last couple of weeks. It actually started up in, uh, in Brooklyn at the, in the ACC tournament, even though we didn't beat Louisville, uh, his preparation and his enthusiasm and his confidence, uh, even in uh, just uh, being on the bench when he was calling out uh, situations and uh, challenging his teammates and uh, and showing a leadership side of him that he had not, uh, not displayed too much earlier in the season, has kind of started to manifest itself in uh, the production of his play. And uh, we need him to continue to play in that level of heightened enthusiasm and heightened re- uh, recognition of his opponent and what the game at that point needs out of him and not just do what he wants to do, but do what his team needs him to do. Stan, this didn't materialize this way, but it did occur to me when I saw it happen, so I'm sure it's it's been addressed. There obviously was great reason for excitement the other night, but a couple guys snuck onto the court before that clock hit zero, and an official could have called a tech in that situation, which would have been a disaster. So did that thought go through your mind? Is that like point number one when you got back to practice? Well, it was addressed uh, to me to some guys as we were going in, down the tunnel back to the locker room. But uh, it's interesting. Uh, if, I mean, you, should, you should go on CBS Sports. There was actually a uh, a reporter did a, a, a really interesting piece that kind of educated me a little bit, too, on – why the officials didn't call a technical foul and the way the college rules. I was going back to my old high school coaching days, which would have been an automatic technical, but there's a really neat piece on there that because there wasn't a delay of game call, the first thing we had to do is call a delay of game thing. So it's a, you should go back and find that piece and read it. It's kind of educational about why they didn't call it. Well, and I'm glad they didn't. Uh, I just, it was, you know, at that point with that comeback, we're watching it and then we're thinking, no, 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 we don't need anything else to go here. But, uh, well, what what, are you, what do you see as the keys uh, for your squad tomorrow night in this game? Well, uh, as we've been working very hard, uh, and uh, we, we haven't been able to do over the top on the, on, on the uh, court because we had a, you know, basically a 25-hour turnaround. People have no idea the travel issues we you have to go through as a basketball team. Uh, didn't get back to Tallahassee till uh, daylight on Monday morning, and then have to turn around 25 hours later and be on a five-hour flight to Los Angeles. So we've uh, spent more time uh, watching film and talking about Gonzaga. Did about an hour practice yesterday over at USC to try to just get the guys to sweat and burn the uh, the the. the uh, uh, our legs out a little bit so we could get that uh, stiffness out of them from sitting on a plane for that long. And uh, we'll be a little more uh, active today in practice and in preparation for, uh, for Gonzaga. But we've got to do a great job in our transition defense. They really do uh, – uh, they, they have a big playbook, but they run it out of quickly out of transition. They're not one of those teams that like a Clemson or like Missouri did or even Xavier that they're looking over the coach and waiting for a play call and, and trying to execute the uh, – action that he's called that they're doing it on the flow and transition so we've got to really manage the ball get our defensive shell set and uh, then be able to uh, disrupt whatever they're actually they're trying to run out of transition defense and then they're very similar to uh to north carolina and their bigs and one of their perimeter players really do an excellent job on getting on the offensive glass so we're going to have to be very good on our blockouts and pursuit of rebounds and then the third thing we've got to do is do a really good job, and it's just it's a 
over the years been a strength of a Coach Hamilton team is we've got to do a great job with our post uh, defense on uh, limiting the touches that Jonathan Williams and, and Tilly and Hachimura get uh, in their sweet spots on the low post. Coach, I wasn't planning to ask this, but you mentioned USC and their head coach, Andy Enfield, obviously used to be one of your compadres here with Leonard. And did I'm sure you discussed at some point, USC was left out and he had to be in complete shock. They finished second in the Pac-12 and didn't make the tournament this year. Uh, so I'm sure that came up or you saw him uh, while you were practicing there. Well, we did see Coach Enfield came in, was very gracious and complimentary of our season. and uh, But you could tell uh, – you know he's been through uh, and his his staff, a couple of his assistant coaches, one of his assistant coaches and a uh, support staff member worked with uh, Coach Young at Georgia Southern when he was the head coach there. So those guys came by our practice yesterday, and you know you could just see that uh, there was a fatigue uh, uh, on all of their faces. They've gone through a lot of stuff all the way back to the uh, unfortunate situation with the uh, FBI investigation and one of their staff members being charged in that deal. Uh, to losing one of their best players to an ineligibility thing the whole year, and then you know the the you know, not getting rewarded in the NCAA tournament, and then one of their players uh, not wanting to play in the NIT didn't want to affect the NBA prospects, uh, an underclassman. So it's uh, he's had a lot of drama going on this year, and uh, you never want anybody, especially somebody you've worked with, that to go through all that. But uh, sometimes they say in this world, life is what it is. Well, Coach, we uh, appreciate a few minutes of your time. Uh, it, it's been a great run. Congratulations on that. Uh, hopefully it doesn't end tomorrow night. And, and I'll leave you with one last question, and that is, who's in charge of Keith Jones and Gene Deckerhoff on all these excursions around the country? <laughs> uh, we have this little facility using the lobby of all the, uh, the establishments that we stay in. That uh, I think they become real good friends with the people who are in charge of that because they sit there and talk to them for a long time and uh, – they have these refreshments come by and see them. So I'm, I'm going to put it on that person that runs that establishment in the lobby of most of the places we stay at. Understand. Yeah, they, he spends a lot of money in the gift <laughs> shop. They both do. You're right. <laughs> Associate head coach Stan Jones, best of luck. Enjoy L.A. And uh, hopefully uh, you're coming home on Sunday or late Saturday night. Well, uh, I've, I've felt uh, that this group has a sense of doing something special. They've been a joy to coach. and. I'm excited about the challenge we have uh, tomorrow night, and uh, we're uh, we're looking forward to it. All right, sounds good. Florida State associate head coach Stan Jones, thanks so much, Keith. I'll, I'll let you. Uh, well, we'll wait till next segment, and you can you can defend your honor there. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us as we continue on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, it is a busy week in Florida State Athletics. Baseball team got a win last night. We've talked a lot of basketball, but football, spring football is underway. And to discuss that and more, we welcome our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeldt. Once again, via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, which uh, the Earl Bacon Agency has had to foot a larger bill this month with uh, Keith's escapades all over the country. But uh, Tim is here in Tallahassee, eyes on football. First practice today of the Willie Taggart era, Tim. What were your impressions? Oh, man, I, it's, it's a national championship or bust, I think. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, a, a lot of good, man, and it's uh, some really obvious differences uh, that are pretty apparent right off the bat. Uh, everything is a lot faster. I mean, you know, you see guys... They rush the line, run a play, rush the line, run another play. I mean, when they talk about the tempo, uh, it really is apparent. Um, the, you know, the the music that, that you know you heard uh, leading up to bowl practices, that's, that's still a thing. You hear, you're hearing all kinds of uh, varieties, you know, some, some classic rock, some hip-hop, some country, uh, a little bit of something for everybody. And, and you can kind of see the energy, the bounce, the step guys bobbing their heads or shaking their knees, that sort of thing. Um, it just seemed like an overall uh, attitude of uh, – I know this sounds like a cliche, but just, you know, guys were having fun, enjoying themselves. Uh, before practice started, Marvin Wilson, the defensive tackle, said that uh, last year uh, going to practice felt like going to work. And uh, so this year it feels like, you know, you're, you're going to have fun and, and going to do something that you love. Uh, so definitely a different vibe, different attitude, and, uh, you know, pretty apparent on the first day. How'd Marvin look, by the way? Athletic, big, like a factor? No, yeah. 
No, absolutely. No, he, uh, he he looks, uh, you know, uh, just like a an NFL caliber defensive tackle. Uh, you know, quite frankly, and you know, he's got a little ways to go, obviously. But uh, but no, he, he he looks really fantastic. I mean, a lot of those guys really do. And and you know, some of the the players who who jumped out at me um, were, were some guys that, that we haven't seen a lot from. You know, Janarius Robinson. Uh, you know, he, he he looked like a like a guy who you could be primed to break out a little bit. Trey McKitty, the the tight end, he didn't see much last year. Was really heavily involved. Uh, you know, there's a lot of players, and I think that's kind of what we're, we're most curious to see, right? Is you know, who, who have who have you not seen, or who 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 couldn't find his stride uh, under the previous staff? You know, uh, that is able to do that under this staff. Here's the real question: because somebody over there has the ultimate control, I would presume. Who's in charge of the playlist of the songs? I mean, did they take requests today since fans were there? Are That's the seniors, a really good I mean, who, who's running the show on that? Is that a screened list of who's picking the songs? What's happening there? You know, I, I, I would assume that it is. I don't know for sure. That's, that's something I'm going to need to uh, to kind of dig into a little bit more. But like I said, man, it's, uh, we had some ACDC out there, some DMX, uh, some other acronyms musical artists i'm sure uh, uh you know a lot and, and sort of uh kind of kind of went in a, in a steady rotation did so you have any Waylon and willie no no Waylon and willie i think it was uh who they have uh well, man, i don't know those guys uh blake shelton somebody like that you know some of those guys i, I don't know any of the, uh, the the newer guys but that's that's who it was keith you jumped in before i could throw you under the bus and ask if chicago or little river band was in the playlist but uh you go ahead and ask your football question at this point all the way from well, I, I guess the gift shop in la thing- yeah, my biggest thing, uh, and Tim is kind of echoing this, is, you know, as a former, <laughs> pardon me, as a former player, the only time that we practiced in the morning was during two-a-days, which you hated, or during bowl games, which you loved. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed morning practices during bowl week better than at any other time. I, I think this concept of going in the morning, Tim, has, I mean, it's got unbelievable upside. But Tim, before you answer, before you answer that, I think we have the uh, soundbite from yesterday's press conference uh, talking about why, or actually, he was asked, and Irish Ophel asked him when he first started going with morning practices, and you guys should be able to hear this. This was Coach Taggart's response to that question. I got turned on. <laughs> Probably spring, my spring, first spring at at Western Kentucky. We did morning practice, and. Uh, that was pretty cool. And, um, I had never done it during the fall and was always worried about doing it during the fall just because I'd never done it before. It just seemed like mess up the flow. And uh, when we got to South Florida, um, after the first year, I think it was, we, we started doing it uh, morning practices. And it's been great for us. It's been great overall. I, I, ever since we've been doing morning practice, academically we've been so much better for whatever reason. But I, I personally think that have have a lot to do with it just the way the day is playing out for our guys and then um them getting up and having to go to practice and having the rest of the day to do the, the academic stuff and not to worry about coming back and forth over here um has been good so that was his comment he went on to add keith uh since you weren't there yesterday you were traveling that it the University of South Florida, because of afternoon thunderstorms, that was another reason uh, without an IPF to, to practice in the morning. Obviously, that's not a consideration here. But, Tim, go ahead and respond to, what, to Keith's comments and what Coach Taggart said there. Well, I, you know, I, I think you, you both kind of hit it. Uh, if anything, it, it keeps with the uh, one of the themes of Willie Taggart's tenure so far, which is simplification. Uh, you know, you guys are over here in the morning doing their football stuff, getting their treatment, meetings, what have you, uh, and going to practice. Uh, we just you know, found out earlier today, practice is done. Uh, before noon, before lunchtime, you see, you, you handle your, your post-practice stuff, probably get a bite to eat, and then you can have the rest of the day to, to focus on your academics and, for that matter, being on that side of campus. You know, I mean, that's, it can be, you know, even something logistical like that, you know, as far as getting from one end of campus to the other. You know, the athletics complex over here is, a, it's a, you know, on one side of campus and where a lot of classrooms are on the other. And so, it, you know, it seems like it kind of divides the, you know, the day into equal parts. And you handle all your football stuff, focus exclusively on that, and then, you have the rest of the day to, to do whatever you need to do, whether it's you know, academics or, or other responsibilities. Um, and so they like that. You know, talking to the players today, um, they, they've all seemed like they really, really enjoyed it. Obviously, it's an early morning, and this morning was pretty chilly. Uh, but, uh, but it got positive reviews from everybody. And, and I think, you know, in a, in a sense, it kind of just almost symbolically, you know, lends to a feeling of freshness. You know, this is different. You know, players aren't used to practicing at 9 o'clock in the morning, at least not at Florida State. It hasn't happened in a very long time, not that I can 
Uh, and so just, just you know, having that to, to set the tone, you're walking out there and it's 8.30 in the morning. Well, that's completely different than anything you're used to. And then you go out and practice uh, in, in, uh, in a way that's completely different than anything you're used to. It really just kind of hammers home the idea that, you know, this really is a fresh start in the new era. What kind of crowd was out there in terms of the public? And uh, we mentioned in the first segment that uh, Coach Taggart, if you've been under a rock, if you're listening to this show, you're probably aware, but he opened practice today and Friday to the public for the entire practice. Yeah, I was pretty good. Probably a couple hundred people. I was, uh, the, the, the far wall, I guess, up against the, the bridge on Pensacola Street was, uh, was pretty much full, uh, you know, two or three deep in, in some places. I suspect the, the, the crowd on Friday will be a little bit better if people have more time to make arrangements. Maybe people aren't working on Friday. But, no, it was, uh, it was definitely good. People, uh, you know, for, for 8.30 on a Wednesday morning, man, to get someone like a football practice, you know, pretty impressive. All right, we've gone this far. We didn't ask how the reps were distributed at the quarterback position, Tim. So how'd the quarterbacks look? I thought they looked really good. Uh, you know, James Blackman, uh, you, you ever wondered about his arm? He still has one. Uh, you know, he looks like he's running with the first team uh, right now. I suspect, you know, that Bailey Hawkman will get some first team reps. But, you know, as expected, uh, James Blackman, the, the most experienced guy running with the ones. Uh, Bailey Hawkman, you know, he's, he got a lot of work too, though. And, and you know, given the situation at quarterback, he's going to get a lot of work. And, and you know, talking – he, he was one of the players who talked this morning, and you know he, he's a confident guy, and, and he, he knows that he doesn't have the experience that, that James Blackman or DeAndre Francois has, but you know he wants to have his say in this competition in this race too, and you know he believes in himself. So uh, you know I think he's this is a pretty big spring for him, and then you know another surprise, and that you know uh, I guess I don't know how surprised we should be, but uh, but at least today when when, you, when you're out just in helmets, uh, DeAndre Francois was out there doing work, and uh, you know I don't know how his mobility is. He's, he's wearing a, a knee brace, he's still recovering. Uh, but in terms of arm strength and accuracy, uh, he looked really good to me, man. Uh, he looked really sharp and crisp with his throws, had the tight spiral that you're used to seeing with him. Uh, so it's good to see him out there, uh, you know, moving around a little bit and uh, and still making some throws. So, uh, you know, everybody looks good. Obviously, you know, still, still a long way to go. And, and I think that that, uh, that race is going to be pretty intriguing uh, between now and in September. But, but as for now, at least, uh, you know, it looks pretty good. That's not insignificant that Francois is able to throw because with limited quarterbacks, you can fatigue those arms pretty quickly. So, And obviously it's not insignificant in terms of the quarterback battle ultimately. Keith, what else do you have on spring football? And then I'll move over to pro day. Well, I guess the biggest thing, uh, Tim, is did you get a chance to watch? You mentioned Mil- or Wilson. I think one of the strengths of this squad uh, from a segment standpoint is the defensive line. They've got a lot of bodies and a lot of good-looking bodies. Uh, what were your early observations there? Well, uh, to start with, with, uh, with Marvin Wilson, uh, I think he's going to be a, a significant part of this team. Uh, you know, he, who I, I noticed, and you almost, uh, I don't want to say forget him because uh, he's been such a key part, but he's such a quiet guy, is uh, DeMarcus Christmas. You know, he's still there. They're holding down uh, the center of that line. Um, you know, he looked really impressive to me. And it's hard to get too much of a gauge on the defensive line when, when you know, you're not in full pads. Um, but you know, DeMarcus Christmas is a guy that I thought was playing really well by the end of last year. And, and if, uh, as we expect, Marvin Wilson – uh, slides in the middle of that line, they, they, they could be pretty formidable there. Uh, and then the other, you know, on the uh, the end spots, uh, you know, we all we all know what to expect from Brian Burns. Uh, he's in his junior year. I think we, you know, I think he has pretty big expectations for himself, and based on what he's shown so far, uh, you know, he he looks long, he looks athletic. Yeah, you know, he might you know look a little bit. Uh, I don't know if leaner is the word, but uh, but you know, he he looks really uh, really sharp out there. And then the player that I mentioned earlier was uh, was Janarius Robinson, a uh, guy who for. Uh, through injuries or, or whatever other reasons, has, hasn't been able to contribute very much. But he was right in the thick of a lot of different things. Um, you know, making some things happen physically looks really, really impressive. And you saw him getting a, a, a lot of run with uh, with the, you know, some of the, the, the previous starters, uh, and, and you know, making an impact and, and sort of being right in the thick of things on defense. That's something that you know, really we're not used to seeing. So again, it's, it's still spring, but to, to have a guy like that, uh, you know, on the first day of spring, all of a sudden be a contributor where you hadn't really seen him before. Uh, that's kind of a cool little development. Last spring practice question, Tim. Taggart, Taggart was asked yesterday about lack of depth at receiver and how that would look, and he basically answered that the way the offense works, the tight ends will be moved over there and running routes. Uh, I'm curious if any of the running backs were, you know, showing up in the receiving lines as well, or how that the pass catching distribution looked. Yeah, uh, a few we saw. Uh, Jonathan Vickers uh, split out when he's, he's a tight end now, um, and uh, and. I'm trying to remember is was a lot happened and it all moved pretty quick. Yeah, um, I'm not sure on the running backs. Like I said, you know, you saw Vickers get involved. I mentioned earlier Trey McKitty uh, getting involved, and in, in, you know, and a lot of that was you know, tight ends, Full tight ends in name, but they'll but they'll you know they'll line up all over the, the the line of scrimmage, not just you know hugging the hugging the tackles like you were used to seeing before. Well, we would all have even greater excitement 
about next season if the guys who worked out yesterday afternoon in the IPF were also working out this morning, but alas, they uh, all turned pro. And so I feel like Derwin, Josh Sweat have been the headliners as we get ready for the draft uh, in a month or so. What happened yesterday? Anybody stand out? Any new news in terms of the, the draft-eligible guys? Not really that I could gather. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a weird deal with uh, with Pro Day anymore. Uh, the Combine is such an event, and it, it seems like so many uh, opinions and, uh, and, and uh, I guess, perceptions of guys are, are so sort of uh, cemented uh, at, uh, at the Combine. But, you know, a guy that, that you know, I look out for, that and it's kind of keeping with the theme that we talked about a little bit earlier, is, um, Derek Noddy, you know, he had a, a pretty impressive career, another quiet, quiet guy, but I mean, he's big, he's strong. He's the type of player that seems like, you know, he might not ever be an all pro, um, but you know, he's a guy that you could plug in the center of your line and he can have, you know, have him hold it down there for several, several years and be, and be a reliable starter. Uh, it seems like there's maybe just a little bit more buzz, uh, generated around him. You know, once, uh, you know, Derwin James obviously is going to do what he does. And then Josh Sweat and Matthew Thomas, I think both sort of raised eyebrows with what they did at the combine. And now all of a sudden you know, the dust is settling a little bit. You say, Hey, you know, they have a, a really, really talented defensive tackle um, who I think could, uh, you know, probably surprise some people. We'll, we'll see where he's drafted. I don't know that, that he's going to be a, you know, a first or even second-round pick, but I think somebody could get some pretty nice value with him. And it seems like there's a little bit more buzz uh, surrounding him now than there was a few weeks ago. Keith, any Pro Day questions before I move on? Uh, I just read uh, this morning earlier that uh, McFadden, maybe improved his uh, 40 time a little bit from his disappointing uh, performance in the combine. Uh, what was the buzz around him? Uh, yeah, I hope so. I, I, I'll be honest with you, Keith, I didn't really see uh, too terribly much of him. I think most of the buzz was just that, you know, it's easy, so, so easy to kind of pile on. And, and based on, you know, the combine that he had and some of the way that things went uh, last year, you know, you, you almost kind of trick yourself into thinking, man, you know, this guy's in a lot of trouble and, you know, that, can he can he play? Can he play at the next level? And it's like, look, man, he I, whatever else aside, I mean, he was a good, solid football player, and, and he's he's good enough and talented enough to play in the NFL, and at least for somebody to take a chance on him. And so, you know, kind of in the same direction. I think you know it was it was so tough after the combine with with some of those numbers and things. He, he had you know folks kind of down on him, and then you kind of get an opportunity to have a little bit of perspective and say, hey, you know, wait a second. I mean, it's not. The forty-yard dash isn't everything, you know. Some of those things that happened last season aren't everything. He still has some good film out there. He still has some production, and I think maybe the the, the you know the the needle sort of moving back toward the center with him a little bit. Yeah, you bring up a good point there because I feel like he's gonna in years to come. He's gonna be because he was last year the poster child for Florida State fans with angst on. When you talk about what went wrong last year, he's going to be a guy that gets singled out. People were down on his punt returning, which obviously he struggled there. But uh, you know he's not going to be a punt returner at the next level. So uh, you know he's not going to go as high as once projected. But I, I, he's he's so long, I think he's got a chance to you know be a mid round pick and end up doing just fine. Like somebody's going to take a chance on him. Yeah, we have bumped this back a couple of times now, and uh, I'll apologize in advance to Dwayne Holtquist, but the men's tennis team here is getting overshadowed by a Sweet 16 run, Mike Martin chasing down records, everything that's football practice, new head coach. This is the best season that the men's tennis program has had in some time, Tim. No, you're absolutely right, and that's, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week. I mean, it's, it's really cool to see, and it, it's kind of, you know, what happens in, in March, especially when we have uh, NCAA tournament runs, but yeah, man, you know, you, uh, you just beat Georgia Tech, you're undefeated at home. Uh, it, it's a, it, you know, a lot of excitement out there, a lot of buzz surrounding that program, even as, as so much else is going on. And it's, uh, it's worth going over there and checking out for sure. All right, we will let you off the hook. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt. Uh, I'm sure that Seminoles.com, I mean, you're probably out of web pages at this point with all the fresh content from today's first practice. Oh, my gosh. Uh, blink and you'll, uh, you'll miss an update, I'm telling you. Yeah, we've reached the end of the Internet. Tim, thanks as always. You got time. KJ, one more segment to go, and uh, then you can go back to hanging at the gift shop. Stay with us on Front Row Knowles. I was driving. Trees went by. Me and Dell were singing. Little runaway. I was flying. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
As we welcome you back, we still have six or eight minutes to go. I'll remind you that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, you can go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. A couple locations to choose from on Stuckey Avenue and Crawfordville Highway. They're online at ctf.nu, and you can call them at 580-1200. Keith, these do-it-yourself projects, because I have a lot of them that never seem to get done. If I call Ron, will he come over and do the projects for me? I don't believe he will actually do the project. Uh, that requires uh, effort on your part, but I will remind you that I have uh, long ago adopted a philosophy uh, that has served me well as I've grown older, and that is I do not do a single thing that uh, I can reasonably pay someone else to do. Uh, that, be- that has become a little bit of my philosophy. Now, those few things that I do on my own, I go over and ask for tips from Ron and, and uh, his folks, but they don't actually come out and do it. They'll show you how to do it, but they won't come out and actually do it. Well, uh, I just thought I would check. Um, all right, so I'm on my own, thus the term, do it yourself. All right, Keith, you were obviously uh, not at football practice today because you're in Los Angeles, and there's another open practice on Friday. But that conversation with Tim, just to reflect back on it, uh, such a departure from where it's been with music blaring. And I had this image in my head. I'm thinking back to your days in the late 70s. You wouldn't have had the Beats by Dre headphones, but if you had those big, fat Sony Walkman headsets before games, which Little River Band song were you listening to to get ready to go out and play Miami? Well, see, th- this is what you always do to me. You put me on the spot about my music. And you got to remember a couple of things. I don't. I can't tell you the Little Rivers. Little River Band songs, I can just recognize them when I hear them. See, because when, you know, when you're bumping up around 60, that memory starts fading. I understand. So the, hard drive, the hard drive is spinning, but the laser doesn't always come on. So mine is not recall. Mine is recognition. I need to constantly <laughs> remind you of that. Well, reminiscing is one from the LRB, and and uh, we're not. I, I remember that one now that you say that. We're not going. I'm and not going. Way, I'm two favors of, here for uh, for our listeners. A, I'm not going to sing it, and B, we're not going to play it in this show. Not at all. Now, and uh, back to another uh, loose end that's been left. Uh, I, I need to remind our listeners of a couple of things about one me and Mr. Deckerhoff. Uh, number one, we do not have rental cars when we travel with the team. So when we go to the hotel, we're stuck at the hotel. Number two, the hotel restaurant does not have televisions in it, and we like to watch things. So, therefore, that necessitates us moving to the other side of the uh, to the gift shop, uh, yeah, lobby, uh, and 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 spend time in the gift shop. And therefore, we we sit in the gift shop and we watch television, and that requires an occasional uh, hydration break. And therefore, that's what Stan was referring to. Well, understand, and that leads to two last points, and then we'll finish up on the FSU football side. One, Kathy is going to be in store for a lot of gifts uh, when you come back from that gift shop, so you're going to have to get an extra piece of luggage. And two, you've been in New York, Nashville, and L.A., and I know damn well that Uber and Lyft exist in those cities. (laughs) (laughs) You are correct, and and there have been some excursions, but I'll remind our listeners of the – of the traditional uh, definitive line. You know, when when the ladies go out uh, for a girls' night out, they all bring out their camera phones or their or actual phones, and they, they take photographs. Yeah, when guys go out, it's like a trip to Vegas, no question. No, there are no photographs. <laughs> there are no stories. That's the official word. Understand. All right. Basketball is the reason that you're out west. It's been a fun run, I know. The general sentiment, I feel, from fans, media, everybody I talk to has – been sort of like everything's gravy you're playing with house money once you made the tournament i wasn't going to put it that way to stan because stan is someone who doesn't look at it that way i mean stan looks at it x's and o's you go out and execute you're in the elite eight and that's the reality if florida state can out execute not even for the full 40 minutes but at winning time like they did against xavier they can move on well the good part of it is and stan alluded to this (coughs) pardon me is that the matchup is good with the Gonzaga. Uh, they're similar types of teams. As he mentioned, they go through their big. You know, when you talk about transition defense, you know, one of the reasons that you're good on transition defense is because you're a transition team yourself. And Florida State likes to get out and run. So they see that every day in practice. We talk about the hurry-up offenses on the defensive side. 
uh, on football side rather, and if defenses are used to seeing a hurry-up offense from their own offense, they're much better prepared. And I think the the, the, the factor of how they, they did not play well to finish the year, they did not play well in the opening game, their one and only game of the ACC tournament, I think that has affected this club, and I think they have found a new, uh, you can call it a chip on the shoulder, a newfound motivation. They see that they can do it. You know, it's one thing to be told you can do it. It's another thing to go out and actually do it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you that Florida State will beat Gonzaga tomorrow night, but it won't surprise me when they do. Recapping a couple of points here, and then we'll finish up. So when you look at Gonzaga on paper, they're incredibly balanced, both in terms of running through the post. They're one of the top teams in the country at two-point field goal percentage, but they also can drill the three. But they're also balanced in that five guys average in double figures. There's not one obvious guy that you try to take away. So that one's maybe a check-the-box on the Gonzaga side. But on the Florida State side, Florida State has more depth. That's generally true. It's particularly true here. Gonzaga plays seven guys, and Florida State will play nine or ten. And FSU's got a confidence about them right now. And the whole not having the burden, I mean, if you look at what Gonzaga did, they won by four points in the first round as a four seed over a 13 seed, and they they struggled to get past Ohio State. Florida State maybe is playing a, a little more free and – so who knows? You roll it out and see what happens, KJ. It, it's certainly a toss-up. It's not a given that Florida State is overmatched uh, or that they're going into this ball game uh, just being happy to be here. Uh, and I think uh, I think Florida State fans are going to be very pleased with what they see. The two keys tomorrow night, though, Tommy, uh, are number one: don't get too far behind. But Gonzaga is a good team at playing with the lead. And number two, if this game is close at the eight, six-minute mark of the second half, don't underestimate Florida State's bench depth as it relates to fatigue because while Gonzaga's a West Coast team, they have they didn't have a five-hour flight, that type of thing, you still play that 30, 35 minutes of a ball game. And if the other guys are fresh and you're a little bit fatigued, as we saw uh, in the Xavier game, uh, Florida State has an ability to come back and and, and don't ever, ever underestimate that. As long as they don't get too far behind, I still like FSU's chances. Last time Florida State played Gonzaga in 2010, the only time they played, FSU fell behind by 18 and cut that game all the way till four before. Obviously, this was long before any of the current guys on either roster. But uh, So they've, they've come back against Gonzaga before. But I'd rather not fall behind by 18. Let's just play them toe-to-toe and then win at the end. Keith, have fun. And, May the ride continue because I'm going to find a way to make it to San Antonio next weekend should the uh, need arise. Uh, I, uh, I will look forward to being in Dallas. Uh, or excuse me, San Antonio, uh, should we get there? <laughs> I'm thinking, though, uh, I'm leaning towards I may even drive. I've spent too much time on an airplane already. Well, be that as it may, I can't promise I'll uh, ride shotgun with you for that one. Understood, brother. Understood. <laughs> Travel safe. Appreciate it, KJ. Folks, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back maybe together, maybe not, but uh, one way or another, we'll uh, both be on the line next week for Front Row Knowles. So long. Turn out right